Do you have the Spirit of God dwelling within you? You know, that's sort of an important question today, especially as we take on Romans 8, because that's sort of what the whole reading hinges upon. Paul's going to say, if you have the Spirit of God, and, and if the answer to that is no, then that's kind of, a, kind of a big deal, right? Do you have the Spirit of God dwelling within you? I think there are times where I wish that we could, could in some tangible, physical way, be a card-carrying member of the kingdom of God. Where we would be able to hold something up and say, hey, actually, I do have the Spirit of God, just, just look at this. I think of one of my favorite places to be on any given Saturday, Costco. It is truly, if, you, if you're not a member, I, I very much encourage you to look into it. It is truly one of the most spectacular experiences as you walk towards the door and you feel rather privileged as you take out your little, your little card and show it to them and say, hey, look, I belong here. And you walk in and you can take advantage of just about any deal you want. And then you get to the food camp court, the greatest place this planet has to offer, with a $1.50 hot dog and soda, and you realize that that card in your hand means a lot, and you are incredibly grateful that you get to show it to every single person in Costco and say, guess what? I belong here. Don't you sort of wish that you had that as far as the Spirit of God goes? Where you could take something out of your wallet, something just as precious as that Costco card, and say, hey, everybody, look. I have the Spirit of God. As we read through Romans chapter 8, verses 11 through 19, we're going to realize that that matters a great deal. Because if we have the Spirit of God dwelling within us, all of these truths that we're going to talk through today apply to you. If not, then they don't. So maybe let's take a look. How could you know that the Spirit of God dwells within you? Peter says in Acts, he says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent, baptism, gift of the Holy Spirit. No ifs, ands, or buts. No conditionals. No extra hoops to jump through. This shows that you have received the forgiveness of sins and the Holy Spirit. Jesus says to his disciples in John, now this is Jesus talking, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. Jesus is saying, I am going to send the Spirit to you. And then Paul says to the Ephesians, he says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So how do you know if the Spirit of God lives within you? You hear the gospel today. You hear the gospel today as, as Jesus talks to you one-on-one, -on -one, personally, face-to-face, -face, and he says all of these things about you that are unequivocally true. That sin manifests in this old body and that salvation has been brought to you and I. It is the work of the gospel that works in our heart. And that is the Spirit himself working. 
As surely as the way that Paul talks to his listeners and Jesus talks to his listeners and Peter talks to his listeners, as surely as they talk to their listeners and say, you absolutely have the Spirit of God dwelling within you, I can say to you today, Peace Lutheran Church, with 100% certainty, you have the Spirit of God dwelling within you today. When Paul writes these verses to the Romans, they apply to you as well. The Spirit of God dwells inside of you. Great. So what does that mean? What kind of benefits and what kind of of blessings do we get from that? Well, as we walk through our reading for today, I'm going to propose that there are four, four differences in your life, a life in which the Spirit of God dwells in you, Four differences between you and someone who does not have that spirit of God. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living within you, which we already established, he is. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Number one, because the spirit lives within you, you approach death the same way that Christ did. You are, without a doubt, linked at the hip with Christ. As Christ approaches death in full confidence that the Holy Spirit will call him from the grave after three days, you and I go into death with that same confidence. That is radically different than anyone else in this world. How many people do you know who deal with loss? who see death coming at one of their relatives like a freight train or somebody who has seen death take place in their family and their imagination sort of runs wild and they just start to say say things that are, are total guesses about what they think about that person. That person is in a better place. That person is another angel now. Oftentimes people have all of these guesses, all of these things they would love to believe are true about those that fall asleep, that go into death, and so often that's all they are. They're guesses. They're hopes. But that's not the way that Jesus talks about your hope. Your hope is one that is completely connected to Christ. As you face down death in your life, spoiler alert, we're all going to. As you face down death in your life, you get to look back at the Gospels and read about the surprise, the shock, the awe that was felt when Jesus came out of his grave, when Lazarus came out of his grave, and you get to know that you will share in that. That death in this life is is not the ending. But instead, it is the beginning of something that is promised you with certainty here in our reading from Romans. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Yes, that first thing changes our entire perspective on the way that we approach this life now. Because we are so confident in death, we are able to be confident in life. 
Number two, because the Spirit lives within you, you have no obligation to your sinful flesh. Or is that how you would rather live? We can sort of live in this world one of two ways. We can either live according to the flesh or we can live according to the spirit. If you live according to the flesh, you find yourself often saying, well, that's just who I am. There's sin in my life because I am broken and I don't see a way out of it. If you live according to the flesh, you find yourself doing all of these things in your life that, that you just want to uproot and remove, but you you can't. If you live this life under an obligation to the flesh, you are setting yourself up for a life of despair. One in which you see the way that your life ought to stack up to God's expectation and you go, I, I can't even imagine a circumstance in which my life comes anywhere close. Yeah, that's, that's a life according to the flesh. That's a life of obligation. That's a life looking at the law of God and being terrorized and terrified with absolutely no hope. Would you rather live that way? With no hope? Or would you rather walk by the Spirit? That is what God is inviting you to do in these verses. He's saying, if you have the Spirit of God in your heart, which you do, then you can walk by the Spirit and put to death the misdeeds of the body and live. You don't have to live a life of, of self-abuse and, and these emotional lows in which you look around and you go, my God, my God, who could possibly save me from this? No, walking according to the Spirit is saying those misdeeds, those sins that I have in my past, those sins that it feels as if I can't overcome, Christ has already overcome them for me. And as we walk throughout this, this sometimes miserable, dreadful life, we're able to know that, that it's not just us against the world. It's not just us against the misdeeds of the flesh, and it's not just us against the sin that dwells within this wretched body. It is the Spirit going to work in you and on your behalf so that when you approach that pet sin for the 1100th time in your life, you are able to say, you know what, I have no obligation to commit that sin again because my Savior set me free. Because the Spirit dwells within me, that sin no longer holds one ounce of power over me. That is putting to death the misdeeds of the body. And that is life. Paul also talks about another blessing that we receive because we walk in the Spirit. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live again in fear. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. 
the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Number three, because the Spirit lives within you, you have an unbreakable relationship with your Father in heaven. I suppose being a slave in the kingdom of God wouldn't be too bad. As far as, as jobs go, as far as ways of life, life go, I would have guessed that being a slave in God's kingdom, being a slave to Jesus, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. It would certainly be better than, than living without him, right? But that would change the way we communicate with him. That would change the way that we see him as a master, if we were slaves in the kingdom of God, we would not have the relationship that Paul is talking about right here. But he says, because the spirit dwells within you, he has freed you. He has bought you back for something so much better than slavery. He has bought you back for something so much better than fear and hand-wringing. You weren't bought back to, to cower and to be terrified of a loving father. You were brought back to cry out, Abba, Father. It is one of the most beautiful phrases in all of Romans when Paul talks about the adoption to sonship. You don't need proof. The fact that God calls you his child is all the proof that you and I will ever need that our relationship with him has mentally changed and we don't walk around this world being being terrified of what God has in store for us next instead we get to reflect on him as a father who wants nothing but the best for you and I who in his love pours out every single blessing you and I could ever need and who in his love has said you are my children and nothing separates me from my children we get to cry out, Abba, Father, with the Savior of the world, who calls God the Father his Father and gives us that exact same right to be a brother of Christ and to call his Father Dad. And number four, now, if we are children then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in the sufferings in order that, in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. It's, it's sort of cool here because it takes us sort of back to, to the beginning where I had said that in, in death, we are attached at the hip to Christ. Well, here it says, in your life, you are also attached to the hip with Christ. Number four, because the Spirit lives within you, expect the sufferings of Christ and expect the glories of Christ. And which one of us doesn't know suffering? I met a woman a couple years back and she had lost her husband and her only son two months apart. 
after 30 years of marriage, both of them, gone. And I thought to myself, that, that seems really quite awful until I realized that the woman that I was talking to was 94 years old, which means for about 30 years she had woken up, looked around her house, saw the pictures of her husband and of her son, and thought to herself, they're not here anymore. That's loss. That's suffering. And maybe that's a story that, that many of you guys can relate to and empathize with. Or maybe your, your cup of suffering to drink in the is, is actual pain. And you find yourself wondering, when, God, when will I be relinquished from this? What good could this possibly be doing in my life? God, why would you allow suffering to enter in? Our sufferings come in various shapes and sizes, and they are the things that make us not want to get out of bed in the morning. They're the thing that makes us want to not even touch the ground with our feet, but instead to just curl up and die. I wish I could have skipped by that part. But if I had skipped by that part, if Paul had skipped by the suffering part, then you wouldn't quite understand just how extraordinary the glories are that are waiting for you in heaven. Because Christ suffered on this earth, we suffer on this earth. But because Christ has been glorified in the kingdom of God and sits on his throne, we have a place around that throne to sit. You and I, called by name, have been told by our Father in heaven that because the Spirit of God lives within you, you have a place in my kingdom. It sort of blows the sufferings out of the water. In fact, as we walk through this world, we, we see how, how God allows sufferings to come into this, this life of ours, but then we get to look forward to a day when God slams his fist down and he says, no more of that. Not one more tear will be shed. Not one more restless night of sleep. You are done with your suffering. Time for you to be glorified. Yeah, brothers and sisters, the wait might seem long. And maybe even as you get older, it seems like it's somehow getting further away. But it's coming. The moment when the Lord of glory takes the glory off of his shoulders and stows it upon you. That day is coming. And it's coming soon. We have a different life than the world around us. We get to take on life differently. We get to take on death differently. We get to take on sin differently. And we get to take on forgiveness differently. Because the Spirit of God dwells within us. And makes this, this body, this mess of a person, makes this person, makes that person alive again. Amen.